greet each one in Jesus' name this morning and uh, say amen to all that was shared, the songs and uh, Sunday school. And Tim said something like, uh, David said he needs the input of God or he stands in need of it. And I think he said something like, we do too, and I echo that there. And it's looking further in that that we're going to think a little bit about a subject that I have not looking at specific scriptures this morning, but just a subject that I have. You know, in our country today, where we find ourselves this week is a lot of our politics are, are very divided. And there's a lot of people think one way and uh, another people think. And, and I don't say that to complain. We do live in a, an amazing time and an amazing country, but we have a divided uh, country right now in a thought process and uh, an uh, epidemic, I believe, that I feel in our country is a victim mentality. Uh, entitlement and marches and Black Lives Matter and police brutality and women's rights Everyone's a victim. Uh, it just seems like, like this week, um, Candace Owen made some comments about it's okay to be thinking who you're, you know, it's okay to be a Republican. And a rock star, I don't know how, uh, I don't know how to it starts with a K. K. Somebody say his name for me. K. Kanye. Spelled wrong. I don't know. But Kanye said, "I like the way this person thinks," and immediately it became a thing where he got thousands and thousands of "What is the matter with you?" And basically, what she was saying was. Uh, she's a black person and to the black community she was saying you know as long as you're victims you can never become victors and this week again these are happenings from this week uh, singer Hazley said you know what another thing that bugs me is that when you go to a motel they just have white people uh, shampoo they never have black people shampoo. And then the world erupted and said, bring your own shampoo. Um, we can't possibly have enough of shampoo to cover everybody's hair. So what is your problem? And she says, see, you saying that is just another white privilege thing. You say that because you are white. And we're, that's just another way where we're victims we go to a hotel, and we have to use this cheap, oh, I forget what she called it, cheap, some kind of shampoo. Not only is mine, uh, is uh, uh, victim mentality, a mindset that's destabilizing. Somebody wrote, there is a high incentive for conflict with little or no personal risk to balance the desire for vengeance. In victim culture, a person cultivates their sense of weakness 
and frailty actively retarding the process of growth. There is zero incentive to mature, mature because maturity can actually decrease your power and your influence. And this got me, what got me to thinking was uh, a thought that I read, why the Anabaptist groups experience blessing and growth generation after generation. And one of the things that was mentioned in that their blog was that uh, we don't become, we don't hang on to those who killed us in the past and blame them and become victims. And that she felt like that was a reason why Anabaptists can be blessed if they don't uh, and uh, hang on to that victim thing. Now, don't hear me saying, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there isn't abuse. I'm not saying that there isn't bro- police brutality. I'm not saying that there isn't problems. I'm not saying that there is injustice and it, and it needs dealt with. It needs dealt with. But what I am saying that I find that the victim mentality affects me in how I deal with things as we go along. I, I echo again Tim's thought of, hey, we need guidance with David. So there, there was two boys, true story, I heard a minister give it lately, uh, from a black community, and twins. And the one boy was in bars and in clubs and in gutter and broke and homeless and on the street. And the other boy was successful in business and was making it and was climbing the corporate ladder and had his family together. And when you ask the one, hey, you know, how did you get here? He was in the gutter, homeless, and his crying was, um, you know, all I learned from my dad was how to drink. It's my dad's fault. The reason I am the way I am is because my dad drank. I can't do anything else, but this is what happened to my My dad was never there for me. He was never home. He always beat us up. He was mean to us, and he, he never... Uh, was kind to us and I never and he drank all our rent money and I that's the way I the reason I am what I am and the other one was asked you know at part at at, uh, business meetings and stuff like that he would never order a drink because of the way his dad was and they asked him hey you're climbing the corporate ladder you're very popular you're going some way whenever we go out you drink a glass of ginger ale. How come? And he said, well, because my dad. It was my dad. Both people, both boys, twin boys, raised in the same house. The one said, I am the way that I am because my dad. And the other one said, I am the way that I am because my dad. The foundation and the... The thing I want to point out to me this morning is the foundation of Christian growth is taking complete personal responsibility of your emotions, your relationships, your successes, your failures, your circumstances. The victim stance is a powerful one. The victim believes he or she is always morally right. 
is not responsible or accountable for their actions and is entitled to sympathy. You know, we feel like victims sometimes. We live in the best country in the world. We have, if I could pick of all the heritages that I have, I would pick the one that I was raised in. If I could, and, and the statistics show that crime is dropping. Uh, we're driving better cars to go for groceries than those 40, 50 years ago. We have all kinds of statistics that point that things are better than they ever were. And yet sometimes in all of this blessing, we can feel like victims. Like we're getting, a fair, we're getting an unfair shake. A couple Bible stories, but before we go there, what is a victim mentality? And you'll find yourself in this list here. Uh, right out of... Uh, the, the dictionary, victim mentality is a psychological term that refers to the type of dysfunctional mindset which seeks to feel persecuted in order to gain attention or avoid self-responsibility. People who struggle with victim mentality are convinced that life is not only beyond their control, but is out to deliberately hurt them. This belief results in constant blame, finger-pointing, pity parties that are fueled by pessimism, fear, and anger. Here's a list of things that we find ourselves in. You and I. Blame. There's, there's like uh, a dozen or more of them. Blame other people for circumstances for your situation. You possess a life against me philosophy. How often do we say, yeah, that figures. If it can go wrong, it will. Yeah. If if there, you know, if it's gonna it's gonna go wrong for me. That's that's our that's our attitude. Life is against me. You see your problem as catastrophic and blow them out of proportion. Uh, I think we do that. You think others are purposely trying to hurt you. I'm sure of that. You believe you're the only one being targeted for mistreatment. You keep reliving past painful memories that make you feel like a victim. Even when things go right, you find something to complain about. You refuse to consider other perspectives when talking about your problems. You feel powerless and unable to cope effectively with problems of life in general. You feel attacked when you're given constructive criticism. I feel like that there. Isn't that, that's, you know, we as a ministry can think uh, when people lie about us or tell stories about us or something like that. Um, you know, we, we feel attacked when people are trying to give us constructive criticism and we can be martyrs pretty quick. Martyr, martyrdom is another way of saying uh, uh, victim mentality, and I can say in a pious way, which I do sometimes, well, that goes with the territory. I'm used to being beat up, but <laughs> that's part of our that's part of our psyche there. You believe you're not responsible for what happens in your life. Others are. You believe that everyone is better off than you. You seem to in, enjoy feeling sorry for yourself. 
You attract people like you who complain, blame, and feel victimized by life. You believe that the world is a scary, mostly bad place. You enjoy sharing your tragic stories with other people. You have a habit of blaming, attacking, and accusing those you love for how you feel. You feel powerless to change your circumstances. You expect to gain sympathy from others when you don't when they don't get it. When you don't get it, you feel upset, I'm sorry. You refuse to analyze yourself or improve your life. You know, our default setting so often is untreated or is is, is untreated a word. Uh, it is now. You feel untreated or disgruntled. Uh and the circus of never-ending dramas, negativity, complaints, worry, fear, distraught, unglued, nervous breakdown, whining, blaming, complaining. And this is the abundant life that Jesus promised. Praise the Lord. Why can't I convert you into Christian? Numbers of people of uh, the Israel, Israel experienced this. If they, if they would remember where they came out of, the pain the struggle, the beatings that they came out of. And there they were in Numbers 11, and they complained, oh, for some meat. And they said, we remember the fish we used to eat free in Egypt. And we had all the cucumbers and melons and leeks and onions and garlic that we want. If we would just have those things, woe is us. And they had... Not quite what you have today, but they had manna from heaven in the wilderness. And in the song it was touched on uh, that Jesse led there at last about the rock where they, where they hit the rock and waters came forward. And they were saying, just kill us. If only we had some, uh, some things like we used to have, some onions and garlic. And they cried and and they had a manna that they it was so good when they ate it their shoes didn't wear out and they were they were just it was just awesome stuff and they were saying here we are with nothing and the lord judged them for it for their attitude and if they would only switch their their thinking on it it was all in their minds. Their victim mentality was all in their minds. And it happens time after. We're prone to wonder. Did somebody use the word prone to wonder? Likely to wonder. How about Haman? He was lifted up to second in the kingdom, only to the king. And he had everybody answer to him. And he could have had everything he wanted. But he went home and laid on a couch like a crybaby and cried to his wife and complained to his wife that somebody pulled out in front of him in traffic. That's what it basically was. This one person doesn't bow down to me and woe is me, pity me. And his wife tried to make things right. Okay, well, you know, let's build up. Here's an idea. And he was, he had everything. But in his mind, he was saying, everybody's against me. And just one guy, Mordecai, pulled out in front of him in traffic. And he had the world at his disposal and everything else. Here's one that's a little stretch. 
But I've always wondered about it. Jesus heals a lame man that was laying on the porch. Do you know how many years he was laying there? Anybody? Anybody from school or anybody study that lately? How many years was the guy laying on the porch looking for healing? 38 years. It was at Solomon's porch. There was five porches. They were covered. All these sick sick people were laying there. And year after year, and there was this here thing where if the water started moving, if you'd get in in time. And there's a question that Jesus asked him that always makes me wonder. Uh, Question, and they kind of bumped into Jesus. Nothing happens by chance, but it looks in the story like Jesus kind of wandered over in the crowd and bumped into him and then wandered away in the crowd. And Jesus says to the guy, do you want to be healed? And I often thought, what kind of question is that? Of course I want to be healed. But he said, you know, I can't. Nobody ever helps me. People pull out in front of me in traffic. And I, I just can't help myself when the water bubbles. Everybody beats me because they're faster than me. And I have nobody to help me. And Jesus said, get up and walk. And then later, the, the people said, the, the church said, or the religious leaders said, who healed you on a Sunday or on a Sabbath day? That's another sermon in itself. They weren't saying, praise the Lord, he's healed. What they said was, hey, who did that to you on a Sabbath? He said, you know, I don't know. He just healed me, and then he kind of got lost in the crowd. So later, by accident, if you will, Jesus kind of wanders by his way again. And he taps him on the shoulder, and he said, hey, now you're healed. Don't sin anymore, or something worse is going to happen to you. And then he wanders away, and then and he told him, hey, it was Jesus who healed me. But you know, we always say success is beyond our control. It's just out there. And I, don't, I, I, I apologize for using this, but it's so close to me, because I'm still trying to lose a few pounds. Again, put a couple on over Christmas. And so it's real to me. You know whose fault it is? It's Ruthie's fault. (laughs) Or it's Miller's fault. Or it's Subway's or McDonald's fault. If we don't take responsibility for the hard things in life, for the things that take us... If I always blame somebody else, I don't have anybody to help me. My wife or my teacher really requires, it seems so unfair, or the ministry or my church or my brotherhood or my employer or my employee. It's their fault. They always, I I just never get fair shakes in life. I wish God would send somebody who understands my pain who understands what I'm going through with Ruthie. (laughs) They can relate to, yeah. (laughs) 
Bob, the book that Elby was mentioning, uh, Bob Goff, he was talking about a guy who, a young man who uh, was a young man growing up and he had his share of mischief and he had his share of adventure and he liked to show off. And one of the things that he did, he grew up in Illinois, and one of the things that he did was he practiced and practiced and practiced the Holy's breath. And one time they were on vacation in Wisconsin. I wondered where that was. The book doesn't say. And there was a couple of girls at a dock somewhere that they didn't know. And he wanted to show off. Apparently it's something young guys do. To show off to the girls. That's why when you're at Bible school and the girls are watching, you can lift the VW up above your head and then press it. It's just a thing. He ran down the dock and he cleared the girls that were sitting on the end of the dock and he dove and hollered at them as he was going over and it surprised them. But he dove straight down because he was looking down at, uh, at what he was flying over. He dove straight down and the water wasn't quite as deep as he thought it was. And so the guys walked up. His buddies were egging him on. They walked up and were talking to the girls. And he was pretending that he was holding his breath. But after a while, the girls started getting worried. And then soon the guys started getting worried. And then they jumped in to lift him out. And his neck just flopped. And somebody that was an ambulance person or an emergency person saw it, called for help. And they took him in, and his neck had broken because, his, because the water wasn't very deep. And so he spent a lot of time in the hospital. And he was trapped in his own body. The only thing that moved was his mind and his eyes and his tongue was the only thing that he could move. He couldn't couldn't do anything else at that time. At first he couldn't even communicate with those around him. And after the days and days and days went by, he finally was able to blink a message to the nurse that was caring for him and that cared about him. And she said, uh, the nurse, he blinked to the nurse, when can I walk? And the nurse started crying, and she said, Didn't the doctor tell you? I'm so sorry. You'll never walk again. And he processed that for a while, and then he talked to her again. When can I use my arms, or whatever it was? And she said, Hey, I'm so sorry. You'll never be able to use your arms. So he was trapped in his own body. They picked him up. They fixed him up. A, a young boy. They fixed him up with a machine that he, a uh, uh, wheelchair type of thing that he could guide with his tongue. And he became a Christian from some teenagers at some kind of uh, youth meeting. And he went on to finish school. And he went on to finish college. And he went on to live a productive life in those shoes. He learned to fight the bad guys and he became an attorney for a state Uh, and five times he had cases go to the Supreme Court that he was in charge of and five times he won those cases 
and he did a lot of work for for Christian causes and good causes. He didn't feel like a victim. When you hold that up against what you're going through, can you come out feeling proud about being a victim in your circumstances? The solution to I'm a victim, the, the way to get over this, I have five points. Take responsibility for everything in your life. For your weight, for your relationships, for the, your circumstances. All of your circumstances. Even those that you can't help, you take responsibility for. For everything in your life. You say, well, things aren't my fault if I'm sitting at a red light and Ilana runs into the back of me. She had that happen twice. It's unfortunate. But where she ran in the back of somebody, whose fault is that? You take responsibility for circumstances and everything in your life. Stop blaming others for your circumstances or the weather. My business doesn't work because... My church doesn't work because my job doesn't work because uh, the good things and the bad things God's in charge of. Take responsibility for everything in your life. Stop blaming others. <clears throat> Never doubt the power of self-deception. Unless you own it, you're never going to solve it. Whatever you're facing today, whatever it is that you're facing, own it. Somebody wrote, as long as you think that the cause of your problem is out there, as long as you think that anyone or anything is responsible for your suffering, the situation is hopeless. It means that you will never forever that it, it means that you are forever in the role of victim and that you're suffering in paradise. The victim mindset dilutes the human potential by not accepting personal responsibility for your circumstances. We greatly reduce the power that is in us to change our circumstances. If you, if you can't own it, and this is true with any of our problems, whether it's blaming others for what's wrong in our lives, blaming others for, for not being able to lose weight, blaming others for anything that, is, that you're fighting against. If there's something that you think God wants you to change in your life, uh, and you're blaming somebody, I could, but my dad was a drunk. I could, but this makes it harder. Uh, we live in a generation, people, of victims. And unless you own it and embrace it, it's not your dad's fault, it's not your mom's fault, it's not the church's fault, it's not the school's fault, it's not the law's fault, it's not the DOT's fault. Unless you take personal responsibility for your life, you're never going to change anything in your life. Number two is pray. Pray. 
repent. Lord, I've been blaming everybody but me. Tell the Lord that and pray and repent. Say you're sorry. Practice gratitude. It's almost impossible to feel like a victim if you feel grateful. You can't feel like it's somebody else's fault if you feel grateful. Almost impossible. So many times the children of Israel said, Lord, just... We're, we're, it's not worth living. We're out here in the wilderness and they weren't looking at how the Lord was taking care of them. How many things do you and I have? When we count our blessings up, where would you rather be? In a hut in Africa? Uh, you tell me. Where would you rather be? With whose family would you rather be in? And many of us, we can say, I want to be here. I, I don't want to be in another family. I don't want any other things... We are blessed beyond measure, but so often we feel untreated, disgruntled, and that it's somebody's fault. Practice gratitude. Number four, and I think this is a big one. If you've got a problem and you want to solve it and you're blaming somebody else, uh, become the answer to somebody else's need. You reach out to somebody else. You steady somebody else. You help somebody else up the ladder. If you, if you get your eyes off of yourself, or if I get my eyes off of myself, uh, reach out and be a problem solver. Be the solution to somebody's problem. Without acting pious or religious about it, or without acting like you did something big, just do your duty and be a problem solver as a Christian and reach out and help somebody else look good. Help your, help your wife look good. Help your husband look good. Help your, help your church look good. Reach out and lift people up around you. Uh, at work. Uh, the one that you've been complaining about and dragging down. Lift them up. Uh, uh, pick out the good parts of them and be a problem sol- solver. John F. K. said, and it's so true, Ask not, and you guys could finish the quote, Ask not, what your country can do for you, but ask what you can do for your country. That's a Christian philosophy. It's a Christian truth. Don't ask, hey, what's in it for me? What can my wife do for me? How can my wife uh, fill all my needs? Uh, how can the church... Uh, just ask, what can I do? Where can I grab a hold? And one of the things to shake our, uh, our mentality of entitlement, our... our our victim mentality is to be able to be the answer to somebody else's problem. A problem solver, not a problem creator. There's tremendous power in being a solution through the gifts that God gave you or the, or the benefits or the ways and means that God gave you or the resources that God gave you to be the answer to somebody else's problem. We are to give, and it shall be given unto us. And Philippians says, Let's, Let each one of you look not on your own interests or problems or struggles, but also on the interests of others. How can we help each other? What a tremendous solution in getting rid of my mentality of victim. Galatians says, Bear one another burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. It's, it's how Christ wants us to live. 
Hebrews, do not neglect to do good to share what you have for such sacrifices please God. And the fifth one is learn how to forgive like God forgave you. Um, in closing, take responsibility of your life. The, the battles you're losing, <coughs> do the hard things. Children look at you and your children learn how to complain, how to criticize, how to blame others, how to draw others down. Your depression, your worries, your fears, your messed up relationships, your children learn from that. Be the Christian that you should. And all of us sitting here say, I wish I could be a kinder husband. I wish I could be a better wife. I wish I could. And yet it takes heart. It takes you, you need to get up. It's hard sometimes. It ha- it's hard to do the hard things. You can't eat the donut. You can't do the easy things. You can't do the things that come normal or easy or, or, or fun. It takes hard things to... Yeah, you'll have setbacks. Yes, you'll have problems. Yeah, we all have rivers to cross. Yeah, there's hard things. Not when I look at what Stan is going through right now, or when I look at what um, this gentleman that had this accident diving in the water. When I look at, I, I can hardly stand thinking about being trapped in your own body like that. There, what a how difficult that would be. And, and yet, there's grace that God promised grace. But yeah, there's hard things in life. There's really hard things that come our way. A lots of them. I think uh, maybe maybe I'm making it too hard, but lots of hard things. There's a lot of wide rivers to cross in life. There's a lot of unfair things. Yeah, there is. <clears throat> yeah, we get slapped around a bit. The problem is when we have a victim mentality is that we forget to see the blessings of the day because of this our spirits are often poisoned rather than set free. Romans 8 is, is such a, a verses that we hang on to all the time. And it starts there, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And it doesn't, it doesn't place any... Um, any status or any limitations on that there. He says, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. Neither death, nor life, neither angels or demons, neither our fears of today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever separate, be able to separate us from the love as He revealed through Jesus Christ. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am not a victim. I'm a victor. I don't stand here as a victim of circumstances. I'm a victor. Husbands, how would your life look different if you'd stop validating the way you act because of how somebody else acts?
How would your life change at work if you would stop validating your retorts or your how you uh, communicate because of how somebody treated you? How would that change in your life? Here's a here's a book that came to my mind. It's a non-Christian book, but it's you should read it. Uh, you should download it and listen to it from your truck or your scooter. Crucial Conversations doesn't have anything about the gospel in it, but it's about uh, sharing. It's, it's so good. I, I thought of it in that there as I was reading my notes here on how would how would we as husbands change? How would our lives look different? Let today be the day that we shake off the self-defeating drama and blame and step up to the victory that God promised us through Christ. Overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. And the only way we can be healed of this and all of our sins and all of our problems is to own them. Uh, to say, yeah, I do have a problem with that. If, if, you don't, if we blame others, we'll never solve our problems. But it takes the tough decision. It takes a hard work. But overwhelming victory is ours in Jesus. Let's kneel for prayer.